Well, welcome back to our I Believe in Love book study. We are now on conference six, so over Hard halfway to through. Believe, yeah, Kara. Hard I know. to believe. I feel like it's gone by pretty quickly. Um, so conference six is Fraternal Charity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this was, I think I say this with everyone. Well, it's I, like my favorite. Yeah, I know what you're getting ready to say. <laughs> and and I was going to say the same thing. Like, And then you know, looking ahead to chapter seven, I was like, oh, this is this my one. favorite yeah, chapter. Yeah, yeah. So like, clearly it, this is our favorite book. It's Yeah, it's just the whole book. I think probably every time I read it, a different chapter is the one that speaks to me the most. Right. And so maybe the first time I read it, it was this one because mm-hmm. um, I needed to learn how to, you know, <laughs> right. love my neighbor better. Yes. Um, but I think that this this conference six is so, so beautiful. So helpful. Absolutely. And it's yep. stuff that we don't often think about or we're told we're supposed to do. And we're like, I don't really know how to do that. Right. Like loving our neighbor. It's like you're told you're supposed to do that. You're like, what does that actually look like in practice in my spiritual life? Well, so I think we helpful. water it down. Yeah. Like, love my neighbor. Well, I'm not murdering him. Right. I'll I give can't him, stand him, but I'll I'm give not him a cup of him. sugar if they knock on my door. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Would we, though? I think I would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think I would. But yeah. then, like, you know, do you close the door and then go gossip about them? It's like, that's it, not love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I mean is we recognize, like, in, in word in principle right that we're supposed to do that mm-hmm. but do we do we actually and i love how he really dives into that in this chapter yeah and and it's a matter of the heart if we do it's right. not just our actions yeah it stems from our heart right so i really liked how they began this so that's kind of how i want to begin the discussion because i f- i feel like before you really can apply fraternal charity and charity towards your neighbor, it's it's like you almost have to understand why are we supposed to do this? Um, and so I like how he starts with First um, Corinthians 12, the mystical mm-hmm. body of Christ and the understanding of the mystical body of Christ. And it says the book starts by talking about First Corinthians 12. And it doesn't come out and say that, but it's the concept of First Corinthians 12 in his mystical body. And it says, love him, uh, first of all, with an immense love, talking about Jesus, right? We must begin by loving Jesus with an immense love. Then read in his eyes and in his heart what you must be for others who, after all, are not really others since they are, like you, members of his mystical body. And then immediately, immediately my mind was like, yeah, but what if they're not? Like, what if they're not in the church? What if they don't receive communion? What if they're not a member of the mystical body? And he answers that. And he goes, or at least called to be such. That's the very next line. Yeah, It's like everyone is in the mystical body or at least called to be in the mystical body. So I like 1 Corinthians 12 where it talks about that, you know, Mm -hmm. the church as a whole, all of us as different separate members, we all have a part just like all of the members of the body, our physical bodies play a part in, you know, us walking, us living, us thinking. And And all are called to be a part. Right. Even if they're not actually living that they're still called they're still created for that purpose for yeah. that reason and i love how you say that like tying it to first corinthians 12 which he doesn't do explicitly mm-hmm. but it is right that's the teaching uh paul says now i will show you a more excellent way and it gives it gives way to first corinthians chapter 13 mm-hmm. where he defines love mm-hmm. and love is the most excellent way well, what does love look like love is patient love is kind mm-hmm. you know love is not pompous it's not puffed up Yep. Does not seek its own way. That's how you love your neighbor. Right. But you can't do any of that 
without first loving Christ. Exactly. Because, yeah. okay, I'm going to share uh, um, there in the New Testament. It says, you know, what are the greatest commandments? What's mm-hmm. the greatest commandment? And he gives the two, love God above all else and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, there was once when I was in college where somebody kind of challenged me on um, the teachings of the church because it was like, how come we have to agree with this concept that came from the Old Testament when we're still allowed to eat pork? Because that was one of the the commandments in right. Leviticus, right. like don't eat pork. Even though Acts actually answers that question. but that's- Yeah, it's a side <laughs> thing. I could, yeah. I could give a whole thing on that. Um, so then they're like, so the 10 commandments are now, you know, null and void too, because mm-hmm. all of those other commandments are null and void too. But in reality, Jesus affirms those he commandments. Does, yeah. Love God, first three commandments, mm-hmm. love your neighbor as you love yourself, mm-hmm. the last seven commandments. Right. But the order of it is so essential because you can't do any of those things to love your neighbor well, unless you are giving your love to Christ and receiving right. it back. Yeah. So it kind of goes back a little bit to the the previous chapter where it talks about um, it's like going through this litany, you know, oh, I know I'll give them I'll give them my life. I know I'll give them myself on the cross. And if that's not enough, I know I'll give them my heart. Right. And it's like he actually gives us his heart and we actually need it in yeah. order to, to have love. charity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful how he articulates that. So I love how you point out the Ten Commandments, love God, love people, because that's first John four twenty comes to mind. And I know he picks this up later in the chapter, but you can't love God and hate your brother, mm-hmm. right? They go together, but you also see that, that love God, love your neighbor in the, our father as well. The same prayer that Jesus gave us, which again, we'll probably pick up later in the discussion. Cause he, he finishes out the chapter mm-hmm. going back to that. What we talk about all the time, you know, you've heard me say many times that forgive us our trespasses as, mm-hmm. and that being a part of loving your neighbor as well. Right. You know, so it's beautiful that he makes that point. Yeah, I agree. Forgive us our trespasses as, as we forgive. I hate yeah. that word as. Why does it have to be in there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As well as we forgive, that's to the measure he will forgive right. us. Yes, I agree. And then, but, he's, and then he's like, by the way, in case you misunderstood what I'm saying here. Yeah. The very next one. Unless you forgive. Uh-huh. And then then there's the love your enemies. Yes. Ouch. In this chapter, it talked about how in the Old Testament, they all understood the commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. But then Jesus modifies that a little bit and says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. I will that you love one another, not only as each of you loves himself, I will that you love one another as I myself love you. So we're he's saying you have to love each other mm. as much as I love each of you, which is uh, like right. infinitely. Yeah. But then it didn't talk about this in this chapter, but my mind went not even just love your neighbor as well as Christ loves you, but he says in the Beatitudes um, or in that section of the, the of Matthew, love your enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, you've heard love your neighbor, but I say love your enemies yeah. because even sinners love their neighbors. Right. Right. So I think that's honestly one of the hardest things because it's so easy to, to love our family, to love our friends and we consider them to be neighbors. Right. And in our mind, our enemy is like, who's my neighbor? So, that's, that's the question. That is right? the question. And who's our enemy? Because in our mind, it could be like 
our literally our physical neighbor who threw trash in our trash bin. Right. You know, they're my enemy. It's like, no, who's that person who gets on your nerves? Who's that person that constantly is a source of frustration and gossip and like negativity in your life mm. and causes you to have unrest and a lack of peace? Who is that person? It might not be an an enemy in the true sense of the word. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they haven't inflicted physical harm on you. Maybe they have. Like, maybe that's something that you have gone through in your life. We're supposed to love them as Jesus loves us. Yeah. How hard is that? So that's really the ultimate, like, that's why we start with 1 Corinthians 12. That's why we start with the commandments. We cannot do that by ourselves. Amen. We cannot love well by ourselves. We have to be united to Christ to love. So kind of going along with that, um, I have written on page 158. So we already talked a little bit about when scripture says, love your enemies. And whenever I read that, my mind always goes to, in scripture, like who their enemies truly were. And they were people who, who in Jesus's time and in the Jews, in the context of the the Jewish people, people who were killing them, um, people who were, you know, taking their land, like those are their enemies. And Jesus is saying, love those people, mm-hmm. you know, have mercy on those people who are persecuting you. And um, my mind, when I was reading it on this, this page in this chapter, went to martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Trez desired all forms of martyrdom. But Jesus on the cross, when he was technically being martyred, I mean, Stephen's the first martyr because he's dying for Jesus. But I mean, Jesus is being killed for the faith that he is preaching. But Jesus on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. He is praying for his enemy. And then speaking of Stephen, he's praying for the people stoning him. And he's praying for Paul, you know, sitting there overseeing it, Saul at the time, but Paul Mm -hmm. sitting there overseeing it. And in my mind, I'm like, what if this were to happen? Because martyrdom is not out of the question in our time. Right. It's still happening. It's yes, it is happening. What if this were to happen? Would, would I be able to forgive the person doing that harm to me in that moment? Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because we want to think ourselves holy. We want to think ourselves close to Christ and be able to do that. But the, the further or the closest you are to the goal, the further you think yourself away from it. So to say, yes, I'm, I'm holy enough to do that. Uh No, I'm actually, I'm actually further from that goal. I can't expect to have this massive act of charity at the end of my life if I've never made those small acts of charity throughout my life. So, you know, you might be in a position in your life where you are called to have a great act of love or a great act of mercy and forgiveness. Will you be able to do that? And the answer is is only if we've been doing it in small ways throughout our life, mm-hmm. because that's how that habit and that's how we will prepare ourselves for that. So that kind of hit me a little bit. I'm like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd have a good death. I'd have a good martyrdom. And I'm like, I might not because am I actually right. loving people well in small ways every day? Yeah. I don't know. Is it, it's that as from the yes. Our Father yep. again. Yep. Yep. Love. Yes. How for- much love does it take to say, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yes. Like, Forgive me as I forgive others. It's like, love me as I love others. Right. And help me to love as I continue to love others. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Kara, I think we can be really loose in defining our enemies too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the person that just annoys the crap out of us. Mm-hmm. You know, can yeah. I say crap in our podcast? <laughs> it's our podcast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. But it's it's the person that frustrates us, annoys us. It's that person that when we see them at work, we're like, ugh. You know, right. we turn and walk the other way. Right. You know, we, we often think, and I love how he points this out, 
it would be easy to be a saint mm -hmm. if it wasn't for all these people. For everyone else. You could go be a hermit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love how he says this. On the contrary, profit from life in common with others to become better, to become holy. We are, without intending it, excellent instruments of humiliation and mortification for each other. Love others not in spite of that, but because of that. Mm -hmm. It's hilarious, Kara, because in the margins, I have Kara and Fred written there. I feel like, like we are mortification I, for one another. Well, and humiliation, okay. like you, you keep me from being puffed up. I mean this in a good way, <laughs> absolutely. Like those that know us well probably know what I mean. Yeah. The next line right after the part you just read says, in the same way as strength is made perfect in weakness, charity is made perfect in temptation against charity. And I think three chapters at least so far i keep bringing that point up right like acts of confidence are perfected in another greater act of confidence like strength is perfected in weakness whatever virtue we're striving for the only way you can do it is by practice and right. in order to practice that virtue you have to be given opportunities to fail yeah you either yeah. you either are gonna be virtuous in that moment or not. Right. And so it's kind of like, no, you don't want to be a hermit because then you're not going to be able to grow in charity towards other people. You have to be around other people to grow in charity right. towards other people. Yeah. And I really like the first thing that came to my mind was actually Therese's parents. Mm -hmm. It says the occasion does not make the man. It shows what he is. I love that. Mm -hmm. It would be easy to be patient if there were no occasion for impatience. Right. As a mother, I understand yes, this yeah. very well. That's <laughs> and also my, why I don't pray yeah. for patience Give me patience. Ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't need to pray for patience. Give me patience because I already have plenty of opportunities to practice to grow it. In patience. Yeah. But my mind went to Therese's parents because um, St. Zelly actually writes mm -hmm. about how frustrating Therese is at times. Right. Like she tells a story about how um, one time she was, you know, in a different room of their house mm -hmm. and Therese would only take one step at a time until she, until her mom would watch her. She's like, mom, come look. She'd take <laughs> a step and then she'd be like, Oh, you know, nice. Uh -huh. And then she wouldn't move until her mom would come back and watch her take the next step. Nice. How, I mean, as a mother, it's like, I got stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, got laundry to fold. Yeah. It's like, I don't need to just stand here. Yeah. Um, but she writes about multiple occasions where right. Therese was the source of her frustration mm -hmm. and she would be impatient. Right. And now and now she's a saint, both Therese, yeah. but also her mother. Maybe Therese is the source of her mortification that helped to get her yeah. to heaven. And she talked strongly about how frustrating Therese could be yes as a child like if which you, is I think precious if you haven't yeah if you haven't read story of a soul you need to yeah you know? it gives me hope because yeah. a couple of my kids sometimes yeah I'm like Ooh. I love in your Christmas letter you talk about one of your kids and you say she loves tap <laughs> yeah because it's loud like her personality like her personality you know, you know who I'm talking about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's very true but I love I love this concept with any of the virtues we're talking about, but especially here with charity, because I think our initial reaction to people who we may not like, we may not appreciate, we may have a lot of impatience towards is to ignore them and walk away and be a hermit in that situation. Whereas we should turn our thoughts towards God and be like, thank you for this moment to you know, make myself less and love this person well, just mm -hmm. like Therese did with that sister in her home when she had to wheel her back to her right. her um, room. 
that she said that was a great sacrifice for her. Mm-hmm. And the sister, I'm sure, had no idea how much of a sacrifice it was for her and had no idea that that was just a very real act of charity on Teresa's part. But God knew. Right. So it's not like we have to be parading around, you know, I don't really like you, but I'm going to bear it. It's fine. It's not something that it's for the world to know. It's something that's between you and God. And he knows that that's a great sacrifice for you. But yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't ignore those opportunities because God's giving you those people to frustrate you because he wants more of you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he wants yeah. your heart better. Amen. <laughs> so yeah. I like that idea. One of my one of my favorite things. This is actually a very good page. So if anyone's following along, we're on page 143, the part that Fred and I just quoted from. The very bottom of the page, I like this because how I was reading it was like, it's like, you have good qualities, great qualities. Are you not a marvel of creation? I was like, oh, he's really pandering to my ego here. I like this. <laughs> it's like, you are a masterpiece of his love. And it ke- continues to go through that. And then immediately as he's as he's building up the reader, he's building up us, says, you are loved with a great love of predilection. And then it says, elevate your thoughts to that level when you look at your brothers and sisters. So I liked this part a lot because um, I think it's really easy for people to, for all of us to relate things back to ourselves and be like, yeah, God does love me. Yeah, he does see these good qualities in me. But then immediately as you turn the page to be like, now you need to see everyone else that way. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a challenge to, you know, how we interact in the world. It's like, oh, that person who gets on my nerves, they are also made beautifully by God. They are also loved extraordinarily by God. So it kind of challenges how we see other people. Right. I like how he frames this too, a little further down of like the respect that's due to the other person, just as a human being who those very same things are true as well. Like uh, I do not love my neighbor only for the love of God. I love him from, for himself and have an immense respect for him. And like he talks about our tendency to only see the negative qualities. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but like, it seems like we've gotten really good at mm-hmm. only seeing the negative qualities. But really bad at looking interiorly at our right. own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, and he even talks about this, the danger of labels mm-hmm. and labeling folks. Like uh, you see this a lot on social media and our political climate, certainly as if there's no good qualities right. and people that disagree with us. Right. And it's just not true. Or as if they can't change. Right. That was one thing that actually kind of um, frustrated me or or stood out to me in this challenge, but frustrates me in just the world is that we don't allow people an opportunity to change or give them credit mm-hmm. for the possibility that they could change. Right. And there was one part um, in the book on page 160. It says, um, have no doubt that it is in the degree to which you change yourself that everything around you will oh, also change. I love that. I love that. And it yeah. said, a new world will not be remade except if you become yourself this new man. Yeah. And I was like, that is so true. Like, we all have to be willing to change for the good and allow God. But it's not us who are like, I'm going to do this myself and become the right? best version of myself. Yeah. But it's... It's God who wants to change in us. And there's actually a line in a song from the children's movie Frozen. Nice. Um, my kids love that movie. But there's a line in the song the trolls are singing to Anna about Kristoff. Um, and they're like, don't think that you can change him because people don't really change. Right. That's a line in the song. And like, I remember when it first came out and people were like, finally, people are being realistic to our young children. Like they don't have to go into relationships wanting to change people. And it's like, OK, yes, that's true. 
you're not going to be the one responsible for someone else's interior change. Right. But people do change. So people don't really change was the line of the song. I'm like, yes, right. they do. If that's yeah. true, yeah. what are we here for? Yeah. What's the point? Change is the only thing in life we can depend on. Yes. It's the only guarantee. Well, death and taxes and change. <laughs> you know, it's that's what it is. But it's through the grace of God that we are changed. Yeah. And I like how you said, you know, that idea of better versions of ourselves. Yes, that as we decrease and as he increases, mm-hmm. as he does the work. He makes us, us better. Yeah. 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 There, uh, in the last chapter, I remember it talks about how his pleasure is to pardon us. And that was actually one of the discussion questions. Um, if you are on Sushi Bang, go in the discussion tab. It says that his pleasure is to pardon us. And yet we do the opposite. You know, throughout the first five conferences, his pleasure is to pardon us. Misery attracts mercy. Our mistakes attract his mercy. And yet for us, when other people do something, our pleasure is to gossip about them, is to cast them out. And I'm not talking, I'm not casting judgment on anyone listening and and like higher, high and mighty. Mm. I do this as well. And I catch myself doing this and I'm like, hold on a second. That's a child of God. I need to love and love on them. But I catch myself doing that too. It's like the second they do something against you, we gossip against them. The second we see a mistake or a misery is, is our mercy attracted to that or is our judgment attracted to that? And we judge their intentions, even though we can't, even though we don't know them. And I love how he points this out as much as you can ascribe good intentions to your neighbor. Mm -hmm. You know, Kara, I worked with engaged couples for eight years yeah and one of this is one of the points we stressed in that is that in marriage you have to always be able to assume positive intentions on the part of your spouse right you know even an apology like i did i know you didn't mean to hurt me Mm -hmm. but right you know if you can't always assume positive intentions on the part of your spouse that's a problem right you know but the same goes true in our relationships with every every person Mm -hmm. around us like I, i if you're going around thinking that everyone's out to hurt you, mm-hmm. well, like I know how ex- life experiences can make you feel that way. Right. But to be rooted in Christ's love, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. Like you have to allow Christ in, allow his grace, allow his mercy to transform that. Because last time I checked, Kara, while we were yet sinners, hmm. Christ died for, died for us. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you're describing in sharing, Kara, I'm reminded of my testimony in RCIA when I was a team on the team, coordinator for my parish. We'd always share our testimony. Mm-hmm. And I remember one year there was a lady that said, you know, if if I knew somebody that was doing stuff like you were doing, I would have completely written them off. Mm-hmm. But hearing the backstory of why, why you made the choices you made mm-hmm. and why you lived, that just totally changed my perspective. Right. That's also a part of assuming the positive intentions yeah like rather than just judging oh that's one of those people that think that that's one of those people that you know insert label here right (laughs) you know why do they think that way Mm -hmm. in love how can we understand them better and see what where might god be working what seeds might be planted in their hearts and how can we cultivate that seed in love even if their intention in something like you're saying, don't assume their intention, even if their intention is negative, right? don't assume that they are without God's love and without his mercy. Right. Yeah. Because even if, you know, they're trapped in sin, they do drugs, like they're completely away from the church. 
you might write them off and their intention in those things is to be completely away from the church and to go do drugs. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, but he's got something in store for them still. So we right. don't get to write them off yeah. and, and, you know, not be charitable to them, right. which is the chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's kind of a struggle because so often we can sometimes be a little trapped or feel a little trapped in negativity mm-hmm. because that's how our brain works. Like if we are always around negative people mm-hmm. or if our mind immediately turns to negativity or gossip or thinking, you know, thinking uncharitable thoughts about a person, the way our brain works is that those neurons then make those connections and you're like, that is always going to be your right. response. Yeah. It's always going yeah. to be to immediately jump to negativity. So it can sometimes be frustrating when we fall into that, but don't get frustrated with yourself because mm-hmm. it's a habit. And in order to break a habit, you have to form a new habit that is mm-hmm. better. So right. in the midst, like this is something that I really struggled with, especially in high school was gossip because it made me feel like I was connecting to people. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they're talking to me. Like, I, let me engage in this. And right. so I would gossip. And so this was a, something that I had to break. And in order to break it in the midst of gossiping, I would catch myself, be like, why are you talking bad about this person? You like this person. Even if you don't like this person, why are you, you know, harming their reputation? And so then I would say a comment of charity. So in the midst of even gossiping, I'd be like, yeah, but you know, maybe they do this because and and give them a good quality. The person mm-hmm. who I'm talking with, give them a good quality about this other person. And rather slo- than leading with the good quality. Yeah. Yeah. But like slowly that habit of let me play devil's advocate, if you will, in the midst of gossiping right. um, or Christ's advocate, I would say, because I'm going to give them a good quality. Slowly, that habit of gossip kind of went, started going away mm. because I would catch myself. And then instead of continuing in it, I'd be like, you know, they're actually a really nice person. And maybe this was like their intention behind that. And right. so then my habit began to break. So if you f- find yourself just getting discouraged, like, oh, there I was again, doing it again, or negative about this person again. Mm-hmm. It's one small act of charity that is going to kind of retrain all, us in virtue. Right. You know. I like how he makes the distinction between, as you said, like consenting to and willfully choosing yeah. to, to accept those negative thoughts. Like He's like, it's your nature. You're going to yeah, be negative. Like, <laughs> it, it's... For us to have a negative reaction to a particular person or mm-hmm. a particular situation, that that in itself isn't necessarily the problem. Yeah, it's when we willfully entertain those thoughts mm-hmm. and and nurture the grudge. That I think Paul says that Saint Paul in Scripture, in your anger, do not sin. Mm-hmm. Do not let the the uh, sun go down on your wrath. A lot of times yeah. we call this, you know, translated, "Don't go to bed angry." Right. But what he's getting at is there is the idea of. I'm upset and I'm going to keep washing myself, marinating myself. In Make sure everyone knows how upset, upset I am. Yes. yes. Make sure they're upset with me right. about this situation. Yeah. 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 I get that. And I, I like how actually just the the book in its entirety recognizes our humanity because, you know, when it says don't let's not confuse temptation with consent. Are we being tempted with lack of charity or are we consenting to having a lack of charity the same went with worry and the chapter about worry and anxiety um we are naturally going to be worried about situations because we're human beings but are we consenting to that worry or do we then in our will make an act of confidence to god right you know and so i like how the book 
recognizes you're a human being. So right. some of yeah. these things are going to happen, but right. what do you do when they happen? Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have these moments where I'll be really upset at somebody and like I, I play through the confrontation in my head. Like I'm going to say this and then they're going to say that and then I'm really going to let them have it. And I think what's at the heart of that is kind of the opposite of what you were just talking about. That's that's putting myself first. That is my own pride. That's I must increase. That is a lack of virtue. And I like how he he has the answer to that. And and I would love to spend some more time reflecting on this. A person who forgets himself brings joy to those around him. He quickens hearts everywhere he goes. Goodness attracts goodness. It gives birth to goodness. It radiates something already heavenly. On the other hand, spitefulness causes sadness, closes hearts, hardens faces, and brings a cold chill wherever it appears. Kara, I think one of the hardest things to admit and the hardest things to face is oftentimes the place I have seen the spitefulness causing sadness, closing hearts, hardening faces, and bringing a cold chill is in the church. Which is really sad. That is sad. And, you know, after 15 years of serving the Lord in various ways in ministry, it breaks my heart to say that. But going back to also what you said earlier, G.K. Chesterton, mm-hmm. the problem with the world is me. Mm-hmm. I'm just as us. much to blame as anybody else. Right. Because I've had those moments of, of being spiteful, of being cold. And yet what I should aspire to is forgetting myself, like Christ, emptying myself, becoming less than mm-hmm. for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that I allow myself to be treated like a doormat, but it does mean that I try, by grace, open myself up to the wor- Lord working in my heart, trying to make me love more like Christ, mm-hmm. help me to love more like Christ, I should say. That's good. I think that's a good place to end for the day. Um, helping all of us to love more like Christ. So if you want to hear any more from Fred and I, be sure to check out the Draw Near podcast and we'll see you for the next conference.